welcome to Man Up, the podcast by men, about men, and for men who want to be better fathers, husbands, leaders, and followers of Jesus. Today's topic, the secret of evangelism. Are you ready? Man up. Yes, sir! Welcome, welcome, my friends. I'm your host, Jared Bowman, and this is Man Up your podcast with all the encouragement that you need to be a better husband, father, leader, follower of Jesus. We are a band of brothers. We are soldiers in arms. We are comrades. We fight side by side and shoulder to shoulder, hand over hand and mile after mile until each of us helps the other attain the high calling of Jesus. Today, we are rejoined by one of my favorite guests, Kenny Embry. (laughs) Yes, Kenny is back. From far away Florida, actually Florida is probably closer to you, most of you guys than I am. I'm in far away Portland, but Kenny, <laughs> how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Jared? <laughs> I'm doing well. I bet you're completely busy since your semester is winding down at college. And what you got going on right now? I tell you what. Right now, I'm talking to a good friend of mine who I met on a podcast this one day. I, I, I am very, I'm thrilled to be, be be with you on on your program. I think you do a good job. Uh, and it's always a good time that when we get this, get to talk. So oh, yeah. I'm there, looking forward to this. No chance of us staying on topic. You know, Kenny, <laughs> when we call each other friends, we really are friends. I, I have this metric that I judge my the people that are friends by that. I need to be able to talk about at least three of five things, comics, movies, coffee, barbecue, technology. And I know <laughs> Kenny hits at least four of those. That's exactly right. Coffee is the only one that I don't have much passion for, although I drink it daily. But but no, the, the, the other four, yeah, I'm, I'm right there. And so I am so glad to have you here. It's just a great time. Now, one of the reasons why I've got you here today, and mm-hmm. we're just going to go right into this. The audience knows you. We've introduced you before, but you have got something really cool coming up, and it was sort of the impetus for the program this this afternoon, the, the reason for wanting to look at this topic came out of something that I'm doing for a digital lectureship that you're getting together. Now, I had Brady on yeah. last week. He talked about his. I want you to tell us a little bit about the Balancing the Christian Life lectureship that's coming up this summer sure. and uh, talk to the audience about that. Number one, Brady is a great guy. I am thrilled that he's doing what he's doing. I think he's a He's he's really a visionary in in this in this area, so I'm 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 excited about what what he's got going. I'll go ahead and tell you the the inspiration for this was a conversation I used to have. I've got a face private Facebook group. Anybody's welcome to join, but you just have to ask to get in. But one of the things that I used to do is every Tuesday night I used to have a what I called a religious conversation. I didn't want it to be a Bible study. I wanted it to be a, a bunch of Christians talking through topics. So I, I didn't want there to be, quote unquote, a right answer. I just wanted there to be a conversation where we could basically have uh, free reign to pull in whatever we wanted to. And one night, I remember going to that group, and it, it usually only only ended up being five or six people. And one night I said, I, okay, guys, I need you to talk me out of something. I said, I, I am thinking about doing something like a Florida college lectureship for people in Oregon. I said, they're not coming down here. It's too expensive. But what if we did something like that online? I said, I said, is that crazy? And to my amazement, nobody said anything for a while. And, and I thought, maybe this isn't as crazy I thought, as I thought it was. 
And so the first few voices said, there's going to be a lot of technical problems with that. Yeah, probably. And then Chris Kramer, and Chris Kramer has become a, a good friend of mine through the podcast, although I've never had him on, pulled me aside after we had had our conversation. And he said, you know what? This is going to happen, and you're going to kick yourself if it's not you. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're right. You're right. So what I decided to do, one of the things that I know about, like the Florida College Lectureship, it's about 20% content. It's, it's 20% guys speaking, but 80% relationships. Mm-hmm. My friends will go to the lectureship mostly to see the people they want to see. And oh, by the way, there's some people that are also talking. And so I think, I think that's probably the, the, the thing that, that draws us there is, 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 are the speakers. But what yeah, keeps us there, it, yeah. it's as much yeah. a, network, a Christian networking event as, as it is. I'll tell you what, I, I know there are a lot of gospel preachers out there that will basically get their gospel meetings set up during the lectureship, because that's where they see everybody. And that mm-hmm. makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. So anyway, I, I was thinking about that, and I thought, what if, what if we tried to do this online? Because the thing about COVID is we all learned how to use Zoom, whether we wanted to or not. Right. So now it's a tool in our toolbox. Why don't we try it? And so that was the thinking behind it. I started trying to find the social component, and I think I found something that might work. Mm-hmm. But I'll go ahead and tell you, Jared, it's a grand experiment. It, it, the software isn't cheap. I do have to charge for this. I make no modes about it. I am trying to make a profit on this. I want to pay the guys who are organizing it. So, I mean, it's, it, it's one of those things where I am trying to make money at this. But more than anything, my, my, it's a proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Can we do it? Will people get anything out of it? Mm-hmm. Is this, and quite frankly, for this first year, all I care to do is break even. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's really what I'm trying to do. Does that make sense, Jared? Oh, yeah. Well, but, and one of the things that you and I talked about offline is that while this is called a lectureship, it's not just Bible content. It's not like you're charging people to come and study the Bible. Now, you do have a track that is specifically about the Bible on the book of Colossians, but yeah. like the track that I'm in is a digital track. It's how do you use technology to teach somebody, and it's more of a more of a, right. a seminar kind of thing than maybe what we would think of as a traditional lectureship. There were there are four tracks in it, four different tracks, and one of them has two two tracks that are that are basically the same thing. But what you're talking about there is what I'm calling the digital discipleship, because I think one of the things that's happened is there are a lot of congregations that were forced online, right, and and they kind of went there against their will, and they are so thrilled to be able to get away from that, right. But I think one of the things that I think they need to start asking themselves is. How do I use this construct? You and I, I, the podcasting bug bit me hard two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I cannot understand why more people don't use this platform because I think there's so much good about it. And I think there's so much untapped potential. Other things that these digital tools can do mm-hmm. that aren't in a church building, right. but, but, but they help people understand Jesus a whole lot better. So anyway, that's the, the digital discipleship track is just learning how to use the tools more effectively. The second one is, is, is what I call practical Christianity. That's, that's Edwin talking about prayer. That, that's Matt Basford, who's going to be talking about singing better songs. That's Matt and Jen Schmidt talking about how to have a better marriage. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's just a bunch of those things. And then the third track is what you're talking about, that, that what I call the textual track, or it's mm-hmm. the book of Colossians. And Steve Wolfgang is in charge of that. Right. And then finally is, is the leadership track, because 
I had, I had Max Dawson on, and he just opened my eyes to the need for elders to get together and share ideas. I, I know that preachers have an informal network. Oh, yeah. Where, where they will often talk to one another. Does this make any sense or not, guys? But I don't know if that same thing exists in the eldership. And at the very least, I just want to, I want to try. Sure. That's that. I'm just going to throw it out there and see if it works. So anyway, it, well, and does that reason, make sense? Go the ahead. reason why I wanted to bring that up was because I, you and I have had conversations and there are some people that when they hear that there's a cost for this, that it's some, because of mm -hmm. the, maybe the name lectureship, it sort of jars them a little bit. And uh, I just, yeah. I mean, just like you'd pay to go to hear Matt and Jen Schmidt speak about marriage or, and sex within marriage for a weekend. It's it's kind of the same right. thing that there's a whole lot more here going on than just talking about the Bible. And well, but it's all related yeah. to our life as Christians and it's not being put on by by a congregation or it's not being like a lectureship or a Florida college. It's being put on by one guy in Florida who's <laughs> if this if people don't buy tickets, he's funding this one way or another out of his pocket. So please help Kenny so he doesn't have to be in a street corner. <laughs> The man just I bought a new say. barbecue grill. He needs to be able to buy meat for it. I did use money that I had. Uh, and, and I'll go ahead and tell you, I had a couple of people that were You're really ruining my angle here, Kenny. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Frankly, if you don't find any value in it, please don't come. Sure. But if you want to try this out and see if it works or not, I think there's a lot of value there. Right now, I started counting it up. I think we've got about 40 different sessions. Nice. All of them will be recorded. All of them won't be available to you on demand. But I think we're going to have a lot of great content. And it's a mistake to think that I'm doing this by myself. I have been very blessed to know a lot of good people that are willing to do some good stuff. Amen. One other okay. thing. For people who sure. want to attend and aren't able to meet that financial cost, you do have some scholarships available, right? Absolutely. I, I understand I'm charging this to break even. Sure. I, and, and again, I will say this, let me under, underscore this. I do want to make a profit. I do, don't, don't miss that, mm -hmm. but I don't want this to be, I don't want the cost to be a point that, that would keep somebody who really would benefit from coming from coming. Sure. I, I, I think that I'm happy to give away some, some free admittances to this. As a matter of fact, that would thrill me. I, I would, I would love. So if you, if you want to do that, I mean, just reach out to me on Facebook. I'm KennyEmbry.com. I, I understand that somebody tried to scam me the other day. So mm -hmm. uh, make sure that, that I'm not trying to sell you something, but uh, <laughs> let me show that. <laughs> make sure that I'm not trying to, I don't know, sell you, sell you some real estate or something like that. But to, to my listeners, uh, make sure I'm one of Kenny's friends before you, you message him <laughs> because there is a fake Kenny Embry. He's not nearly as good looking, but there's a fake Kenny Embry <laughs> running around. There you go. I'm not touching that. But anyway, <laughs> probably yeah, best yeah. that you don't. Yeah. So it is in the vein of preparing for that lectureship that our topic stems from today. Just yeah. give you a little background and I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of this procedure, but you know, our audience may not be that I have what some might consider a complicated process when I get to developing sermons that are sort of in the abstract, that, that I'm not starting with a textual passage. I'm, I'm starting a discussion that's based on an abstract. And it, it sort of looks like a bullseye, that you start with this really big circle 
which, you know, my topic for your lectureship is the dangers of digital discipleship. And I just started with a really a circle that I knew was going to be way wider than my topic, dangers of digital and all the kinds of things that you can run into on the Internet that are bad things. And then you ask yourself an important question, which one of these has to do with discipleship? So you make another smaller circle and you connect all the ones that do, and then you make a list of things that are related to the thing that connects all of those topics that you thought of before together. And you sort of whittle your way down. It looks like a bullseye when you get to the end. So <laughs> as I'm working through this process, it's usually a pretty good indicator that I'm on to something when the topic stays a lot wider than maybe I thought it was going to be. It doesn't narrow down into just a few specific things. But as I was working through this, I noticed that two of the big issues that kept coming up with when it comes to online communication, whether we're talking about discipleship or we're talking about just the way that we interact on social media, is that they really both come down to a lack of empathy. We have a hard time hearing people today, and I've noticed it's even transcended the digital world. It's just in our day-to-day communications. You can you can listen to brethren in Bible class sort of bicker back and forth about a point or something like that, and we seem to have become a group of people that would rather argue a point than discuss a passage. We would rather debate a platform rather than discuss the things that are the the issues in our in our country. And it seems to me that we've got kind of this push-pull here of we have a lack of empathy on one side and a whole lot of desire to be right on the other side. We don't typically see disagreement anymore. We don't tend to see disagreements anymore in a healthy sense. We tend to see people very entrenched in their views And rather than discussing, they're more interested in defending the view that they have. And that has really complicated a lot of our interpersonal relationships. You look at sort of the disintegration of a lot of marriages, and you hear about people talk about irreconcilable differences. What that typically means is there were arguments that couldn't be resolved because both parties became entrenched in doing it their way as opposed to discussing it and deciding that keeping the marriage together was more important. You see this a lot of times with parents and children, that children will leave the house and they don't come home except holidays, and and they're very bitter about coming home even then because when dad and son get together or mom and daughter get together, that what you have is a lot of discord rather than the healing of wounds because each side hasn't learned to feel for the other. And as I mentioned, This is one of those things that really is hurting us in areas like evangelism, congregational unity, even the fundamental kinds of relationships in life that I've already mentioned, but something as basic as friendship. How many friendships have been strained over the last couple of years because one person took one view on a hot topic issue and another person took another view? So as a professor of communications, this is right in your wheelhouse, I'm assuming. Yeah. What are we seeing here? Why is this going on? Well, I think one of the things, and we, we've talked about this before, which is the how people are divorced from context. Right. Really, when you think about what we're attacking, we're attacking point of view without a person. And so it's easy for us to pick out the flaws in, in an argument. But, I mean, it's one thing to pick out the flaws in an argument and say whether you do or don't like any something. And it's something very different than to look somebody in the face and say, you know what, what you think just doesn't make any sense at all. We recognize that when it's face-to-face, there's a person that's connected to the idea. 
-hmm. But when it's just online and when it's just a, a, a bunch of text without the personality behind it, it's easy to basically get your one-liner in. It's easy to be funny because I think one of the things that we all want to do is we all want to look good to the group of people we want to look good to. And part of that is making sure that we are on the quote unquote right side of the issue and seen by our group, which by the way, is looking over our shoulder right? and, and, and saying, wow, he sure gave it to them without recognizing that the person you gave it to has a family, mm -hmm. has a reason why they believe that. Mm -hmm. And maybe their reason isn't very good, but it is their reason. And they came to that not by chance. They, they came to that probably because of hard experience. Yeah. I, I, I think about a lot of the things that I believe. I can tell you some of the things I, I hold very dear, I don't know exactly how I got there. Mm -hmm. And if somebody wanted to help me deconstruct that, there's a good way to do that. And let me tell you the bad way to do that. Kenny, what kind of idiot are you? You, re you really believe that, huh? Yeah. For my dearest, my, my closest held beliefs, that's not going to endear you to me. That's what happens online a lot. Again, it's that loss of context. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And, and I think there's another loss that's happening here. And, and I completely agree with you that a lot of this is about posturing before people that agree with us. I, I've seen discussions recently, and you have too, where yeah. uh, Christians have gotten in a debate over something that it's probably a pretty black and white issue in the Bible. But when somebody is asking a question, rather than responding with a gentle answer, the assumption is made because you ask the question, you therefore see this black and white issue in a different way. And yeah. all kinds of assumptions get made about that. Yeah. And it seems to me, and this is, this is based on my experience online and the interactions I've had and sometimes the interactions that I haven't done so well at, a lot yeah. of times when we assume that this has become a battle or that this has yeah. become a point where the gloves need to come off, it's not really about what the other person said. It's usually more about our own insecurity and how to talk about that topic. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I, I think the, the way you learn to build empathy is by being with people who that you like but did not understand disagreed with you. Mm -hmm. You have to like them first. You have to love them first. Because once you fall in love with them, the differences become things that you have to work out. If we would only love people more, we would probably be a lot more empathetic to the positions that they have. And so I think, I think that's, that's an important part of it. As long as we are allowed to call somebody else the enemy, the foreigner, as long as there's an exercise that I've done in class. And, and the thing about it is, it's exactly the same text, but I change one word. I change, but well, actually it's two words. And, and, and the text starts out these two ways. 
Billy was a good boy. He went to school. He saw somebody who was in trouble, and the person who was getting him in trouble, he threatened. And so what he, and what happens after that is he goes right to the edge, and you recognize that he was standing up for somebody else. The two words in the second version of that, it's exactly the same, but I just changed it from Billy was a good boy to Billy was a bully. And when you look at just the change in that one word, then I ask students, because in both scenarios, Billy is suspended from school. Mm -hmm. And I ask them, okay, which did the school overreact? And the people who are able to label Billy as a good boy say that the school overreacted. To the people that read that Billy was a bully, they said they didn't treat him harshly enough. Mm -hmm. it, the, the thing about that is, is I changed basically one word. If you can learn how to love people, it will change the way that you see and interpret what they do. And it will either pull them to you, their, pull you to their side or not. We were all idiots. We were the enemies of God. God did not recognize, we did not recognize God as our father. What he did for us is he loved us anyway. That's what we have to do. That's, that's what, that's, that's the, the part of empathy we have to get to. Now you've already alluded to a couple of these, but if you had to, if you had to sort of put a box around this and mm -hmm. say, this is why this is happening, what do you think okay. of the driving factors that you see in our culture? It's causing us to be less confident in these relationships that we can love even when we have disagreement and less likely to extend empathy. Are you asking why, why are we fighting one another and why are we not getting together and trying to figure out our problems? Why is it increasing? I mean, you just look at the world. I mean, we've always had disagreements, but... But you look, at, yeah. you look at the last 20 years, and, and there's generational disagreement like I've never seen before. And even the racial tensions have, have gotten a lot stronger in this country than they were probably since any point since the 1950s. Right. But, well, you, it doesn't take much imagination to figure this out. That's good. If you're a conservative. Imagination. <laughs> if you're a conservative, what television news do you? Probably Fox. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. If you're I don't liberal, watch news, so what, I guess. <laughs> I get it. I get it. If you're if you're liberal, what what kind of what kind of news do you watch? Mm, MSNBC, maybe CNN. Yeah, there you go. In other words, you have just chosen the lens by which you are going to start framing everything around you. Mm -hmm. And that really happened more with 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 cable television news. It 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 became amplified by digital media. Mm -hmm. the, the, the fact of the matter is, my I've I've made reference to this a couple of times. My son. My sons know that I think it is ridiculous. The flat earthers are, are basically ridiculous, but they think it is so funny that I have seen a lot of material from the flat earth people. And one of the things that you start seeing is they start feeding off one another. The beauty of being in a neighborhood of people who are not like you, if you know your neighbors, your neighbors will show you things that are different than you are. And you're going to have to learn how to get along with your neighbor. Mm -hmm. But we have gotten to a point in, in our societies now. I live next door to somebody 
right next door. His name's Bob. The people on the, on the right side to me, I don't know their names, but they're from Chicago. The people who is right, the people right across the street to me, I've never met them once. Mm -hmm. I've lived here five years. Shame on me for not introducing myself, but shame on us for never feeling like any of us needed to. Yeah. And I think that's where we've gotten to. I think we've gotten to, you know what? I can binge all the shows I want to on Netflix now. I don't really have to meet anybody. Mm -hmm. And I can go ahead and find people who think exactly like, like I do pretty easily. They're just right there. So that's the, that's one of the dangers of online communication. Let me ask you a question that's, that's, that's good. Cause that's one of the dangers that I put in, in the lectureship, <laughs> but let, let me We're ask good. you this question. It's off the sheet. And this, this is uh -huh. an age old question. You and I talked uh -huh. about avatars in the last program, how Jake is the avatar yes. for your program. If he doesn't get it, nobody's going to get it. I mentioned, I'm still trying to figure that out for right. biblically speaking. I think I have it nailed down for man up. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah. Oftentimes we reduce people down to caricatures. And in that we, we it, it's a little like what you were talking about with where do you get your news from? Is this a yeah. case of art imitating life or life imitating art? I, I think one of the things that's happened to us is we've been given a lot of straw man arguments and that we've never had, we, we've always had somebody who is going to challenge those straw man arguments. Mm -hmm. Look, the, the fact of the matter is 10 years ago, I, I lived right across the street. I don't usually talk about my political affiliation, but mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't, don't mind saying at all that, that during that year, I think I voted for the Republican, the person who lived right across the street from me. Voted for the Democrat. You know what? What difference that made? None. They were good people. Mm -hmm. I liked them a lot. They liked us a lot. I, I know that that somebody in my we had a, I think it was a Romney, a sign in our our yard, and the people across the street said, we did not. It was somebody stole that sign from our yard. The people across the street came over and said, I'm so sorry that happened. She said. If we, if, if it would help you, we'll go out and get you another Romney sign. You know what? They didn't believe in my guy. And quite frankly, I wish we had more cross the street conversations. Yeah. Because it's the people cross the street that don't think like I do that are going to challenge me on some things that I believe. And I need that challenging. But here's again, the, we don't have any reason to go across the street anymore. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, the, the thing about it is, is, if I were to stay in my house, who stole that sign? Well, of course, the people across the street. You see their sign? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to ask them. I'm just going to believe what I want to believe. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. And you wonder, and this, this is another off-the-sheet question, but you wonder what's transpired. I know we talked about the news. I know we talked about social media. But what, what keeps us from bringing those across-the-street values into more conversations? Because it seems like, we're losing those values even in the interpersonal kinds of relationships that we have, that husbands and wives don't talk the right way. We, we're having a hard time 
remember a couple of years ago, it was popular to say, okay, boomer to anybody that was older than you that had an yeah. idea that was, <laughs> that, that you thought was regressive. And, and this idea of, I can't hear you because you're too old and I don't want to hear you because you're too young. And it seems right. to, it seems that we've lost the ability to communicate rather than bringing the value of communication into these other spheres, why don't we take these across-the-street values into the digital world rather than it seems like we're taking the the way that we communicate in the digital world and we're bringing it into interpersonal relationships? Because there's no vested interest in anybody doing that for us. Think about this. I mean, do you want to be proven wrong or do you want to be proven right online? Facebook is, is willing to suggest my friends based on the people I already know. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the struggle here is getting out of the echo chamber. Right. And we've talked about the echo chamber before. That the echo chamber makes me look awfully smart, makes me look awfully good, and it makes the out the, the people who are not in, in agreement with me scarce. Yeah. It's harder to find them. And why don't I have that cross the street conversation online? Online recognizes that if I have more of those conversations, I spend less time online. And I mean, I, I look at, I look at the people who are my friends on Facebook. Sure. Intentionally chose these people. They're people that look a lot like me. They, they're people that, that believe basically the same things I do. And that's not wrong, but it keeps me trapped mm -hmm. in one point of view the entire time. And I think the danger in that is we start living a life that is unchallenged. Mm -hmm. it, it, is, it is a life where we will argue, we'll go 10 rounds on what does the indwelling of the Holy Spirit mean? And you know, the thing about it is, is the people that are 30 or 40 feet around me don't even know that that's a question worth asking. Right. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and you got to the point that I was hoping you were going to get to, and that is this is really affecting not just our online communications. It's affecting our interpersonal relationships with husbands, wives, generations. It's also affecting our ability to evangelize. Yeah. Because we, yeah. Would, rather, we would rather find people that agree with us on some contentious topic rather right. than saying, hey, let's open the Bible and study. And, and let's, right. let's see what the Bible actually says. And yeah. what most people don't realize, and this is coming from a preacher, I think mm -hmm. most of us believe that if we just ask enough people, we are going mm -hmm. to run into a well-meaning, good-mannered, moral agnostic who's just never bothered to stop and consider whether there was a God. We'll yeah. open the Bible, and within 30 minutes, they will be taught the Word of God and baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, and it would be wonderful. But you know, those people don't exist, at least not in any <laughs> large number. If we're going to do the reminds, work of, of evangelism, we're going to have to talk to people that have either made up their mind that they don't want to hear anything the Bible says, or they've made yeah. up their mind that they already know what the Bible says, and they've drawn conclusions that aren't correct. But we're going to have to go into this and allow them to have a discussion and not a debate over every single point of doctrine. If I go into a discussion with somebody who believes in the impossibility of apostasy. That is, you cannot sin and fall away from God. And I just, yeah. and I start hammering on that doctrine. I'm not going to make any inroads 
Now, when that comes up, I need to be prepared to discuss it. But within the larger context of who is God, who is Jesus, what are they doing for us? Because until you find a reason to have collaboration with somebody, then any point of disagreement becomes a point of separation. It's a point where you make an enemy. Until you find a way to see the value that they have to you and you to them and you both have to God. It reminds me, Jesus went to Samaria when nobody was. Mm -hmm. uh, when people were, were, were trying to make a, a trip around Samaria, Jesus went right there. And, it, you know, Stoneheart pointed this out to me, and I hadn't thought about it, but he's, he's dead right. The first evangelist was that woman at the well. That, that Jesus taught her, and then she just told everybody, you got to meet this guy. Mm -hmm. you got to meet this guy. She was one of the very first evangelists. Mm -hmm. that, that's, a, that's amazing to me because it, you think about who Jesus actually commended. Roman centurions, no greater faith. Uh, he, he, basically, he basically talks gave compliments to a bunch of people that everybody had already discounted. And then when you get to him talking to the most religious people in the land, the Pharisees, mm -hmm. that's who he chooses to challenge right. over and over again. And here's the, here's, the, here's the real challenge for us as Christians. Did Jesus hate the Pharisees? I'm going to ask you, Jared, did Jesus hate the Pharisees? I don't think Jesus hated the Pharisees. I think Jesus hated the work of the Pharisees that... I think he loved the Pharisees. He despised what they were doing, but he doesn't. He yeah. didn't. He wouldn't have died for their sins, just like everyone else's sins, if he if he hated them. Look, I got to tell you, some of the things that I hate the most is when I see my kids make the biggest mistakes, mm -hmm. and I just hate that. Why? They know better. Mm -hmm. They know better, and I hate it when they do that. But do I stop loving them? No. I love them more. I love them more because I'm not going to let them get away with that. I think Jesus, I'll go ahead and tell you, and I've, I've said this before. We, the bitterest fight you have is with the person that you love the most. Mm -hmm. Because if you didn't love them that much, you wouldn't have the fight. I think Jesus loved the Pharisees intensely. Why? He wasn't going to let them get away with this. I, I think it's awfully easy it's easier to compliment somebody who is not a part of your tribe because you want to encourage them. You want them to get better, and you realize that it's going to be incremental. I, I got to tell you, the weakest students in my, in my classroom get the most profuse praise. It's the strongest students that will get some of my harshest criticism, but at the end of it, I will say, you know you can do this, don't you? You know you can do this. Your problem is I do too. Randy Pausch, I don't know if you know who Randy Pausch was, but he wrote a book. He, he, he did something called The, the Last Lecture. Oh, yeah. And it, it's, it's, it was, a, it was a, a fabulous, fabulous thing. But he tells the story about a coach, a football coach. He was a skinny kid. He was writing him the entire practice. He was writing him the entire time. And he said an assistant coach came up to him and said, yeah, the coach is writing you pretty hard, wasn't he? He said, yep. 
he said, you know, the point where you need to start really worrying is when he stops. When he stops writing you, he's given up on you. I am grateful when God rides me a little bit because it means he still sees something in me that he wants to keep. Amen. Now, I do have a question for you. You talked about praising your your worst students to help them be better and yeah. emphasizing the flaws of the best students because you know they can do better. I've heard you say a lot of good things about this podcast. Should I be worried? <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I think you're doing I think you're doing a very good thing here. Right, I think you are too. I've really I've really enjoyed so much this experience because of these kinds of things that we get to talk about. We've said this a dozen times maybe more. I love the people I get to meet. I mean, you and and Scott Byer just just recently on my my radar and 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 Hal and this has been so rewarding for me. This has been this has been one of the best investments of my time, and it, it has been it has been something that that I have deeply loved. I wish I wish this was transferable to more people. Yeah, I I, I think nothing about at this point. I think nothing about about basically talking to any of you guys. I I, I think nothing about about asking you guys for favors or anything like that. I, I, again, that's been the blessing that you know. That's been the blessing of this. Jared, yeah, you're in Oregon. There's no way that we would have met otherwise. So I mean, th this has been a real blessing. Yeah. Go ahead. Get, you're one of the get two guys in the world part. I'd give my brisket rub recipe to. <laughs> I'm not sharing it well, on the podcast, folks. <laughs> Tell our audience, Kenny, because we've used this word several times today. What <laughs> is empathy? Why is it important? Oh my goodness. Empathy is basically having it, it, it's it's related to sympathy. It has that that path, P-A-T-H, uh, which which is the same Greek uh, root as as pathos, which is the emotional appeal. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's it's having an emotion with. It's basically feeling the emotion of. It's basically having a strong emotional connection with. And when you think about it, it, it is having really an emotional investment in somebody else, mm -hmm. a strong emotional investment in what they're doing. What was the second part of your question again? Why is it important? Because who else are you going to spend any time with? You're not going to care about spending any time with, with, with somebody who you don't care anything about. I, I think that the thing about it is, and I, I've used this line a thousand times. I'll use it probably a thousand more. I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care. If you don't care, I don't care about you. It, it ends up it ends up being an endless cycle. Mm -hmm. So I I think one of the things when it comes to empathy or being empathetic or having an emotional investment in, you you need to learn how to see from somebody else's point of view. Mm -hmm. I think there's a good reason the New Testament is not Leviticus. I think Leviticus is a series of laws, and if you look at the way the laws are structured, it's really smart because what does what Leviticus tell you about? It tells you about the character of God. Mm -hmm. But when we get to the New Testament, the New Testament is communicated in stories because you start, you start relating to Peter. You start relating to Jesus. Mm -hmm. You start relating to James. 
you start relating to a bunch of people who messed things up with the exception of Jesus. Right. But then you start figuring out how to have the mind of a Christian because you start having an emotional relationship with those characters. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, when I think about empathy, I think about statements like Matthew chapter 9 when yeah. Jesus is traveling through the region and he's he's casting out demons and he's he's growing in popularity mm-hmm. and people are bringing out the sick and people are coming out to hear him and it says they're dispirited. They've got no spirit, mm-hmm. that they're they're crushed by life. And mm-hmm. they're, they're crushed by maybe even the weight of the way that the Pharisees were teaching the law. And here's this guy and he's he's teaching things that are refreshing that are, right. this is how you connect to God. This is not just how you keep the law. This is how you reach out and touch God. And right. they're coming out right. to him, and, they're, and they know he can heal, and they know that he can teach. And it says that seeing the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Right. And he told his disciples, much like he did in John 4, look, the fields are white, and pray the, har- the Lord of harvest sends forth reapers. That <laughs> this, this idea of compassion... It's so vital. I mean, you go to First Peter chapter 3, and husbands uh, are told there to live with their wives in an understanding way as if a weaker vessel. And the idea of weaker there is not, oh, she's more fragile than I am, so I'm going to keep her down. It's you hold her up as something treasured. You're giving mm-hmm. her the honor of something that God has given to you. When we don't have compassion relationships don't function because what compassion does is it takes me out of the center of the relationship and either puts two people collectively as in a marriage or when it's mm-hmm. when it's the relationship between you and your wife it takes the other person and puts them in the center of that relationship and you approach them as someone that you love the real problem the real reason why we lack empathy is because the person that we love the most in the world looks back at us from the mirror. I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think I'm going to go back to that labels. I think once we're able to label something, look, if you're a conservative Republican and you're able to label somebody with liberal, what are you not allowed to, uh, to say about them now? It has just given you license. Mm-hmm. To, 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 to say anything you, I mean, they're a liberal. I mean, do you see their family? I mean, obviously it's because of their political beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they, they don't believe X, Y, and Z. And obviously, look, you just label them. You just pigeonhole them into something, into a, into a set of beliefs they may or may not have. But it just gave you license to attack and not have compassion. I'll go ahead and tell you, I, I see this a lot. I, I've already talked about bully. Bully is one of those words that we love to throw around a lot mm-hmm. because once we're able to label label you as a bully, you're it's open it's open game. Yeah, we can we can basically do just about anything we want to because we have now labeled you with the right label. And and that illustrates something. I just talked about the reason why we like empathy is because we stand at the center of the circle of that which we love. Yeah. That when we push people out of that circle, they become less That's human. Right. They become more like an object. They become right. that caricature and that avatar. You know, when I moved up here to the Pacific Northwest, there were there were people who came to me and very concerned and said, Jared, do you know how things are going up there? I'm like, I, I know how things are going up there. I've actually 
been there before. And they said, well, there yeah. may be, God, they're tough. Michigan. Yeah. There yeah. may be Democrats in the congregation. <laughs> and so that it's, and you know what? They were right. There are. Yeah. But I still love them. And I don't love them in spite of them being Democrats. I just love them because they're my tribe. They're my people. They're, they are part of the body of Christ. Do we agree on everything? Absolutely not. Do we right. have fun jousting with each other sometimes? Absolutely. But it's only fun because we know that the other person stands at the center of that circle. Yeah. But, and here's, here's the thing. I mean, who did Jesus come for? Well, he, I'm asking. He came for the sick. Yeah. yeah it's not the righteous here's... who need the message of repentance. Yeah, one of the, one of the first things Jesus asks us to do, one of the first things God asks us to do, is to take on the name of sinner, yeah. because that's the only people He came for. Right. If you are righteous, He's not here for you. But if you recognize you're in just as big a problem as everybody else in the world, mm -hmm. that means you're in the same boat with everybody else in the world. That means you are. <laughs> Wait for it. No better than anybody else. That's right. You're no better. And that means you cannot label somebody else with something that's better. Now, that doesn't mean you can't call yourself a Christian. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can't be somebody who, who, is, who, who is striving to be righteous. Mm -hmm. But what that does mean is you are imperfect. And when you do the best that you can, and I, I love this passage as well, do you have now reason to brag? No. If you do the very best you can, guess what? You're still an unworthy servant who deserves death. What does that mean for you? Why does, why does, why does God lump us in with all those other dirty sinners? Why? I'm asking, Jared, why? Because that's what we were. We've all been the prodigal. We've all been the one. We usually feel for people that are a lot like us. We recognize, I guess it comes right back to empathy, Jared. When we recognize that we were sinners, boy, it's easier to get on board with other people who are, not to participate in what they do but to save them from something that they cannot save themselves from. When we're all in the same boat, then we're trying to get other people on the boat. We're trying to save souls then. It's when we get a little bit too comfortable in the pew. It's when the problems are out there and not in here. Mm -hmm. It's when those are the problems and we are the solution. No, we're not. We have access to the solution. But guess what? We need the solution too. And we are not the others. We are the saved, not because we deserved it, but because uh, there's, there's a beautiful poem. And I, 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 it, and I, I remember it, it talks about, and I can't remember exactly some of the lines, but it says, I'm a Christian, not because I'm strong, but because I'm weak. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it talks about Jesus didn't die for me because I was so good, but because that I was so bad. Mm -hmm. 
I think if we can embrace that part of ourselves, not trying to be worse, but to recognize that, that him who has been forgiven, he will love more. We need to love more. We need to recognize what we need to see sin for what it is. Mm -hmm. And, and then recognize that every, we have a solution to send that everybody else can come to. Cause that makes us, that makes us empathetic toward them. We are, we are not separated by very much. If, if we feel like we are separated by something, <laughs> that's a construction of our own mind. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, I think one of the reasons why we've lost touch with empathy mm -hmm. and you were just, you were just, just hitting on this is we know where we came from. Yeah. And that ought to make us more empathetic. Yeah. But now we are those who are trying to teach the truth. And I think a mm -hmm. lot of people think that they're worried that somehow being empathetic might compromise how black and white the truth is. Is there a, can empathy and truth, you know, biblical truth, all truth, can they coexist? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. I, I, not only do they coexist, I don't think they exist without without the other. Look, look I, I think, why did God come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? Was it so, so that he could show how much better he is than us? Boy, that was, that was, if that was the reason. He didn't need to come here at all. Why did Jesus come down here? I mean, consistently in the Gospel of John, I mean, in John 3, he's talking about he came to give light and to call men out of darkness. And men don't, right. didn't come to him because they love darkness. John 3, also in John 3, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Right. Romans chapter 5, after talking about the hope and mercy and grace that are extended to us through Jesus, he says at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You're not going to have anybody die for a righteous man. For a good man, you might have somebody Maybe. that if you really yeah. loved him, good reputation, somebody might step up and die for that one. But we weren't righteous mm -hmm. and we weren't good. We were enemies and sinners. And that's the demonstration of God's love. It, it, I mean, the root right. of God's love is his desire to have compassion on us. When you go to yeah. Hebrews and you look at the end of Hebrews 2 or Hebrews 4, when it talks about the living and powerful word of God and then Jesus giving help in our time of need, what, what we're told in those passages is he came and he experienced temptation so that he could feel with us and he could, have, he could be that merciful, sympathetic, compassionate, empathetic high mm -hmm. priest. Right. I mean, it, to me, it's the core of truth. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Look, I mean, I, I have children, you, you have will. And, and, and the thing about it is, is when did you start loving him? Oh, yeah, I know. When did you start loving your kid? Let me tell you when, because I don't think you're going to answer me right now. You loved him before you had him. Yeah. You loved him before you loved him as an idea. And then it became a boy. And it's not like Will can do really do much any of anything for you. He's not. <laughs> you love your son so intensely because of who he is. And when he messes up, the reason that you're sacrificing for him, the reason that you'll go to prison for him if he, if he does something, the reason that you will pay for all of his mistakes when he, when he messes up your neighbor's lawn, it's because you love your son. Jesus loved us, still does. And he keeps on saying over and over again, if you'll just come home, mm -hmm. I'll pay for the car. I'll make sure the house is fixed. I'll make sure. But you got to come home. You got to come home because I love you. And you can't come home saying, oh, well, 
They deserved it. No, they didn't. I was justified in what I did. No, you didn't. No, you weren't. Stop that. You're better than that. I taught you better than that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And it's one of the strange things about how our communication has been affected in the last 20 years. And I don't think it's just online digital communication. I really do think the root it's not. the root of it is is how is how political parties in this country have seized upon this this idea that you've talked about a couple of times that if you can polarize people you can you can you can sort of protect yourself and the idea that there can't be any agreement if we disagree on these types of issues that when you get people polarized that way then you lock them into an echo chamber and they never they never hear anything other than the ideas that they that they are already willing to express, because right. the other ideas just make us mad. Yeah, and I, well, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say one of the things that that one of the things that I've been talking a lot about lately, both on this program, it's worked its way in a couple of sermons, is you know, we really, as a culture, we ride pendulums to extremes. Yes, and. We are entering a phase, and hopefully that means we're we're about to sort of recoil and start swinging back the other direction. But we have reached a place where we have an extreme lack of empathy because we have an extreme love of self. Yeah, and we yeah. don't stop and think about the fact that to come home, to I cannot look at those that are we used to hear the term alien centers all the time until aliens became little green men that that we cannot look at those who are outside of the body of Christ with with disdain we cannot see them as our enemy we have to see them as sheep that have gone astray yeah and until the pendulum uh, yeah. starts moving backwards these conversations are only going to get harder in the bible class that i have in my church right now we're in the book of ephesians and in the book of ephesians it talks about the great mystery the great mystery is revealed in, in, in Ephesians 3, and the great mystery is this, that the Jews and Gentiles are one people under Christ. Mm -hmm. They do not share, well, I'm sorry, they share a Savior. They share one common hope. Did God hate the Gentiles? I'm going to ask you, no. did they? No. When... He started calling did the, the Gentiles Jews, before Jesus walked on the earth as a man. Did the Jews hate the Gentiles? Yes. Yeah. Who got that wrong? Who got it wrong? It was us. Mm -hmm. It was the, it, not just the Pharisees. It was the Jews. L let me ask you this. Did God love the Romans? Yeah. Enough to, enough to send his son to die for. Yeah. I, I find it hard to find some place where God says he hates a person. But he sure does talk about things that he hates. Mm -hmm. I think we are so bent on finding the people or group of people that we can hate. But God never calls us to do that. What God calls us to do is... Instead, what we consider the impossible, mm -hmm. which is to love our enemies. Why? Because <laughs> God was already there. And if we would just go where God is, 
we would probably start seeing things a lot differently. God doesn't hate people. Well, and here, maybe we should stop. And here's, Go ahead. here's the scary thing about that. And, and this really ought to be a wonderful passage. It's the end of Romans 11, where yeah. Paul is sort of summing up everything that he said in the letter. Here's the gospel of which I'm not ashamed. God reconciled Gentiles to sin because they were ungrateful. They didn't love him. And they started right. building idols and engaging in immorality. God reconciled the Jews to sin because he gave them a perfect law and they didn't keep it. And those that right. he was pleased with, they weren't just keeping the law the, by the letter. They were keeping it like Abraham was through faith because that's what really pleases God. And that's our introduction to Jesus is faith. And yeah. Until we're willing to believe that we need a Savior, you cannot apply the blood of Christ. And when you right. go forward from there, it ends up in Romans 11, and he starts talking about this olive tree that he created. He says, right. the Jews were the first branches, and they didn't, they didn't want to receive it, so I cut them off, and I grafted the Gentiles in. He said, That's and right. now they're starting to come, so now I'm making room for the Jews to graft them back in, but don't be arrogant against them, and don't think that I can't do it, because you know, Paul is speaking on God's behalf, because he's done it before, he can cut you off too. And what you're really seeing here is God used their lack of compassion for you, their lack of love for him to bring you in. And now that you've come in, he's using the compassion and love that he has for you to bring them in. And you have this statement at the end of Romans 11 for you know, who, who knows the mind of God, who counseled him, who taught him how to do this? Well, no one. This is just who God is, because anything pertaining to salvation, going all the way back to that, that chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, that, the, about not being ashamed of the gospel, because everything that pertains to salvation comes from him and through him, through Jesus, and it is bringing things back to him. Mm -hmm. And our role in this is to bring them back to him, not to, yeah. not to push them further away because they don't know him, but to bring them back to him. And you have that statement at the end of, of Revelation, right. whosoever will may come. This is the, the invitation of the bride and the spirit. The invitation is out there. And the thing that, is, that it hinders it more than anything else in this world is when we do not have compassion because we have built a wall where God is trying to build a temple to put all his people in. <laughs> you know, the, the, the thing about the children of Israel is they will, in the, in the story of, of, of Israel, they will consider David and Solomon the very apex of, of the most important part of their lives. Mm -hmm. I don't think it was. I. Why do they think that's important? Why do they think that 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 time is so important? It's because when they they were the biggest they would ever be and have the largest kingdom they ever had, mm -hmm. and they will for the rest of their existence be trying to get back to that kingdom, be trying to get back to that land, be trying to get back to those buildings. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about Jesus, when he came, did Jesus lead the, the revolution that they were all hoping that he would do? No. no. Because the thing about what Jesus and God really wanted, the kingdom of heaven is not a palace. The kingdom of heaven is not territory. 
The kingdom of heaven is the character of God. And he keeps on telling us, would you please put away the parts of your character that don't work very well? Because they're not anything like God. Because the things that separate you from God, it's not a temple. Mm -hmm. It's you. Yeah. You keep on bringing in parts of your character that just are not worth anything. Mm -hmm. So get rid of that. Just get rid of that. It's the character that God is looking for. We keep on looking for a kingdom. He keeps on telling us, I need to have a character. All right, folks. Unfortunately, this is when I have to break in and tell you that Kenny will be back on Tuesday with the second half of our interview on empathy. We have just barely scratched the surface. And if you have anything that you've taken away from this podcast, I hope that you understand just how vital empathy is, not only to the important work of evangelism and our kingdom work, but it is absolutely vital to maintaining the most important relationships that we have in our lives. You want to deepen the bond with your wife. You you want better relationships with your children. You want your congregations to come back together and find peace and unity. We have to start feeling with one another again. There's a whole lot more to talk about, including the popular rapid fire section, and it's all coming at you Tuesday. Can't wait until Tuesday? Well, there's lots more episodes of Man Up to check out right here, wherever you happen to be listening. And if you'd like something a little different, hop over to my YouTube channel, Biblically Speaking. I have two series going right now, one on Revelation that's three episodes deep, and another on Evidences. And it's all there for you and your family to enjoy and hopefully start discussions with your friends and neighbors about these kinds of topics. Lots and lots to do here on both of these channels, and I thank you for being part of this. Until we talk again, I'm your host, Jared Bowman, saying, have a good day, God bless, and man up. Dismissed!